What's up, everybody? I'm Gary Gallimore. Bonjour, I'm Alan Muir. And I'm Lou Gonzalez. And this week we watched Disenchantment, the new TV show from Matt Groening, the creator of The Simpsons and Futurama. And this was a new show he did not do for Fox that went directly to Netflix. Uh, it was a, the first half of the season came out already. Ten episodes. Ten episodes. So it's technically like a 20 episode season. And the, we're reviewing kind of the first half of the season because that's all that's been released. Came out a couple months ago, came out on August 17th to, I would say, like a really mixed bag of reviews. Yeah. Uh, yeah, it was a love or hate sort of uh, reception to it. Um, I think the big reason why, and I will go into this as we talk about it, but unlike The Simpsons and Futurama, which are kind of like single episode, self-contained for the most part, shows that kind of have like a mini story and then kind of have a lot of jokes and move on with maybe a slight season arcing thing. Um, this is a complete one story from start to finish uh, series. Um, much more like, I don't know, sometimes like, I guess like an Archer that's on FX. I'm trying to think of like other series in the same kind of thing where it's, it is a complete narrative. It is not a like one-off episode, which I think is one of the reasons people were also um, not falling in love with it at some points. Um, it stars Bean, Elfo, and Lucy as the three main characters. So uh, the other thing that probably goes into this is our lead character is Bean, who is a princess, played by Abby uh, Jacobson. Elfo, who is an elf, played by, is it Nate Faxton? Yeah. And, and Lucy, who is a demon that is connected to Bean, who is played by Eric Andre. Also, every single person you've basically ever heard on The Simpsons or Futurama joins the cast at some point, yeah. including Joe DiMaggio. John DiMaggio. John, John DiMaggio, sorry. Yeah, Jolton Joe, he's, he's been away for a while. Yeah. And uh, Billy right. West, and of course, like everybody else. They even right. got Noel Fielding. I don't know. Uh, who? Uh, he was on the IT, IT crowd, Mighty Boosh. Oh, okay. Yeah, there's definitely, if you watch this show, there's a ton of like, oh, I remember that voice from this show. Um, yeah, another another one is Matt Barry, who was on the IT crowd. He's the guy, he's or he, he's currently, you can see him in the ads for, I want to say, the the pirate game that's on Xbox One, Sea of Thieves. Oh. Okay. He has the most royal voice ever. You mean Regal? Yeah. Uh, there's also Maurice LaMarche, who, again, did, like, a ton of stuff. I believe, was he the voice of Pinky or the Brain? I think it was Pinky. Uh, the, uh, Brain. He was Brain? Okay, of course I would get that wrong. But also did was in Futurama and a bunch of other shows. Um, I would say the he, big... He was also Egon in the Ghostbusters animated stuff. Yeah, so Matt, Matt Groening got basically your all-star list of voice actors for the series. Um, I would say if you compare, which are probably going to be a decent amount of comparisons to his other two shows, The Simpsons takes place in kind of modern time, like right now, whenever the episode takes place or was made, it represents the world as it is at that point. Futurama is obviously like the future, and this is kind of in a medieval D&D type world, very Games of Thrones, Ian. Yeah, it's like uh, his, like, you know, The Simpsons is his take on the family sitcom. Futurama is his take on science fiction, and now we've got his take on fantasy, yep. medieval fantasy type type shows. So he's not got many more uh, uh, genres to really. You know, he's got to do a superhero. Never mind. Hey, I'm sure there's like a bunch of different places he can go into. Um, but I would say like to start, I think a lot of people to kind of go into like the review things because this show is very divisive. I think people thought this was going to be Futurama in a fantasy world, and it's very much not. Like, it is not that at all. Yes, if you want it, that, it, they did that. Like, they literally made a Futurama, like, the Bender's Game movie. Oh, yeah. <clears throat> and that's kind of what I expected going into it. It's like, oh, this is going to be his version of Futurama, but set in the fantasy world as opposed to sci-fi. And I got into it, and it was mainly just fantasy. Yeah. Can I can I give my just my entire thing for the first few episodes? Yeah, yeah, go for it, man. I was like, why is this? Why is Marcus Phoenix yelling at me? He's he's still yelling at me. What do you mean? Oh, is uh, the the king the voice of Marcus Phoenix? Yeah, and it just 
Arlen pointed this out in the, I forgot, one of the chats. He was like, John DiMaggio has, like, three, three, three modes or something, and they're all the same. I don't know. Wasn't he the Joker in Under the Red Hood? Oh, John DiMaggio? Yeah, yeah. he was. Yes. And he did really good in that. I yeah. Thought. But this, it, this felt more like he was trying. He was doing an impression of himself earlier in the earlier in his career. Well, I definitely got some like you know he was Bender basically. Yeah, it reminded me a lot of the voice for um, in Futurama for Fry's old pizza manager. Oh yeah, because it's he's definitely very doing like a very Brooklyn-y, like kind of New York accent for the king, which is uh, what the heck was his name. King Zog of Dreamland. Um, well, I would say, like, I'm not sure how we want to go about breaking this down, but I would say, for me, the first half of this show, at least maybe even two-thirds of the show, I mostly could have cared less about. Oh, wait, no, I have, there's something from the first episode I, that was just, I kept, I went, I couldn't stop laughing. Elfo's uh, journey from exile to Dreamland. Like, his... First he meets he he leaves and then there's the, that epic battle between the giants and the dwarves. Oh yeah. He then goes to this people's house, this like this farmhouse. They're serving that, him and he's being like incredibly polite. Like, oh yeah, incredibly like. And they uh, just get pissed off at him like get the fuck out of here, making us to they he he de humbles them basically and he's like they're like get the fuck out like he's overly. Uh, uh, overly nice. Well, not overly nice. He's overly um um guy. I don't know why I'm having such a hard time thinking of a word that's on the tip of my tongue. Complimentary. He's overly complimentary towards everything yeah. they do, and they're like, "We're just a humble people." And he's constantly like, "Oh, this bland food is so so amazing," and blah blah blah. Sir, you've um uh, gone overboard basically, and they kick him out. Like, I, that that was funny. I did like that. Oh, there were definitely a lot of parts in this first episode I enjoyed. Everything to do with the elf's world, the couple of times we see it, I thought was hilarious. Like, the way it exists. Him, like, hooking up with the chief's daughter and, like, jumping out the window. And uh, this, You mean uh, Kissy? Yes. I love, like, I all, their, all their names. I did think that their song reminded me of the Underpants Gnome song from South Park. A little bit. <laughs> and I could not stop thinking about that every time I heard it. But like that, I think Elfo was probably my favorite character in the show, um, followed probably by Lucy. But there's just like, it, the show takes, for me, it took like a really long time to get to this plot, because I don't know like how much we want to go into the actual plot of it, but like the whole cutaways to the two people looking through the thing that gets Lucy there, it got very tiring until it paid off. Like it did eventually pay off. Like, I think that's one of the things about this. There's, like, a lot of small plot things that are kind of not really super jokey, that are slow, but then they all pay off in such a great way when it ends. But, man, it's, to me, it was kind of, like, trudging through these first couple of episodes, even, like, yeah. through the halfway point. It was surprisingly slow burn. Yeah. But, like, not slow burn in a, in a particularly good way. It was... They, they took five episodes, like about at least five episodes, to really build the way that this world is, as well as to really do a massive ton of character development for Bean and her father. Um, right, but, you know, this is a different kind of show than The Simpsons or Futurama. This is, this is telling an overarching story. This is, uh, you know, of course it's... Each episode sort of stands alone, but there's a lot of plot that goes into each episode that builds to the final episodes of this half of the season, I guess. Yeah, like there are, I would say each episode has several bits that are really funny and that completely work. Like just going, like looking through them, like episode five has the whole Hansel and Gretel thing with the witch. I thought that was great. I thought that was really funny, like the whole concept of it. Oh, yeah. But it wasn't. Me, it's dessert meat. <laughs> um, but it wasn't until they kind of expanded into, I'm trying to remember what her stepmom's name is, um, Queen Una. Una. Like, Una, when they go to, like, their kingdom in Dankmire, that's when the show really picked up for me. Um, that's when, like, there was, like, oh, here's some, like, actual kind of plot things that are happening. And, like, the idea of Lucy kind of being a bad influence on her is having greater effects. Now, one thing it shares with, uh, 
The Simpsons and Futurama in a really good way is <clears throat> that it tends to have a lot of heart to it as well. It's oh. not just joke, joke. It's not like Family Guy where it's just joke, 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 joke. You know, these jokes are like play into an emotional impact. Oh, also, I, like I would say compared to the other two, it has way more. Like the heart is the forefront thing, which I think is why it tends to be a very slow burn. Because you're, like I said, it's like character development. Because we get to really learn, like, Bean's not this... At first, she kind of tends to be like a female bender. But then you kind of realize, oh, she just hates her life and is extremely depressed over what it is and the death of her mother and just being this trapped kind of accessory to the king. Right. Just to be married off by, like, to unite another kingdom. I thought that was funny. Um, oh, yeah, I so. thought both of the princes that she was engaged to were, like, great bits, and I love that they both came back again later on. Several times. Yeah. Um, and I like, mean, we can get in, like, we, we can definitely get into spoiler. I mean, if anybody hasn't watched it at this point, I mean, it's, it's ten episodes. They're about 23 minutes apiece. It's been out uh, for a couple months. Yeah. So I'm looking, at, I'm looking at the writers for the last three episodes. Episode eight was written by some by the writer of one of the writers of Bender's Game, and Phil Oakley wrote the sort of mid mid season finale, and he was the showrunner for or co showrunner of The Simpsons for seasons seven and eight. So it explain so kind of this it, it makes sense why those through those why that those last three episodes work so well. Well, yeah, there's a good consistency to the last few episodes. Well, um, they also, like, those episodes, compared to many of the other ones, like, weave together, like, one story. Kind oh, of yeah, a- they, across them much more than the other ones. Well, they pull the whole thing together. Like, they, they really, t- you know, even the earlier episodes, they pull it. The last few episodes just pull all of it together to where it's like, oh, okay, I see what they were doing with this. And whether you liked it or not is a different story. I personally liked it. Um, got into this a little bit earlier, but before we started the podcast. But my only problem is it's not as rewatchable as, say, a Futurama or The Simpsons, because with Futurama or The Simpsons, you can just drop into any episode and enjoy it. The, with this having the very connected storyline throughout each episode, it's harder to drop into an episode and just enjoy it and for what it is. Yeah, it's much more of like a animated version of, I don't even know, like a less violent and sexual Game of Thrones, but only slightly less violent. Yeah, there's some there's some good violence in it. Yeah, there's some good there's some great comedy violence too. Oh yeah, there's like a ton of great things. Like again, with her first fiance, how he's like. Oh, she's like, oh, he's hot, but then he's a complete moron, and then, like, it's stabbed through the head, but he's still fine because his brain is so small. And the fact that he's super inbred. Mm-hmm. And there are a lot of good things, but, like, I really think, I'm trying to remember which one it is. I think it is, this episode seven is when this show really turned around. That's the episode where, um... Oh, the, when, where, they, when they're out there, they get take, picked up by the plague coup patrol. Yeah, it's the episode where the Elfo makes up a girlfriend and it's like the giant woman. And they and oh, oh, they go you're find about, her. You're talking about the acid trip episode, uh, bit. Yes, like I think that's where stuff starts to change because they stop kind of dancing around subjects and they actually like directly address them. So instead of being the will they won't day, like Elfo makes a move and gets shot down, but everything's kind of cool and they kind of leave everything moving forward. And then from there, like the next, like each. And then the last three episodes really are just straight, like, one plot. There's a big gut punch in there, too. Oh, yeah. And, like, do we want to just straight out address how this whole thing ends? Oh, absolutely. Let's go for it. So Wait, I, even, the, even the post-credits? Um, yeah, I guess, yeah. Well, it's only, like, the first half of a season. Yeah, I mean, we're... Because... In my opinion, even if this first half of the season was slow and stuff like that, it sets up the second half of the season where it's I think it's going to be really good. Yeah, so uh, in this, the eighth episode, Elvo gets kidnapped, um, and then they end up trying to find um, like an amulet that'll bring anybody back to life. Bean's dad, the king, reveals that like all the stuff he's been doing has been trying to find ways to revive her mother this enti- like, his entire life. Um and, and Elfo's 
blood was supposed to be the key to that. Yes, which Elf. is why Elfo was so important even to the king and to the overall plot of the show. Yes, so they find the lost city of Cremoria and they get the item back and then they see the next episode starts where they're going to use Elfo's blood but it doesn't work. And instead they basically figure out, they bring in, I can't remember the character but he was also, he was one of my favorite one-off characters was like Touchy Joe or something like that. The guy that just likes feeling things up. Oh, yeah. Um, uh, yeah, I like that character. That character was absolutely ridiculous, and it definitely made me laugh one of the most times in this uh, show. But we Wait, basically kind of like the overly touchy, orderly, and uh, Scrubs. Yes. No, no, he, or yeah, but he's more of he's like a blind guy that like anything he touches, he can figure out because he touches everything. Right. But that also makes him like a horrible being, so they just keep him locked away. But they basically that reveals that Ofo isn't a full elf; he's only half elf. Um. So the king wants to, like, kill him because he's pissed. So they run away, and Elfo basically gets them back into, uh, what was was their name of the elf kingdom? Elfwood. Elfwood. And they go there, and as he's talking to his dad, Zog and his guy storm, and the paper that his father was going to reveal the mother gets kind of washed away. But Belle gets, like, some elf blood from somebody on a rag, and then they lock the doors to the elf world forever. Um, is this, I'm trying to remember. Oh yeah, and this episode is also where Elfo dies, right? I, no, no. Yeah. That's good. He, he sacrifices himself, or no, he dies, and Bean has the choice, has the selfish choice of who to bring, use. Bring the mom back or bring Elfo back. Yes. Yeah, so Elfo sacrifices himself to seal off the kingdom, the elf kingdom. Uh, also, one of my favorite bits in it was when he went back and he thought the other elf was his kid. Yeah, he gives it a hug and he's like, "No, that's actually that's actually my new boyfriend." And <laughs> and, and 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 the guy is like, or, and the elf, other elf is like, "I like the hug though." <laughs> no, and then she also says, "But you know, if you still want to hook up, he says he's cool with that as long as he gets to watch." And the elf just yeah. kind of gives him a nod, <laughs> like, it... "Oh man." Um, but yeah, and then the final episode. So we at the end of the episode, she chooses her mother and revives her. So Queen Dagmar over Elfo, and then so she comes back to life. And then the last episode is actually really interesting because I do like the whole thing between uh, Ona and Dagmar, like competing for uh, what's his name Zog's attention and like all that stuff. I thought that was like very well done and funny. But Lucy then basically figures out that the reason Dog Dagmar was frozen was because she's the one that actually poisoned and uh set the poison up and that bean switched the cups so zog was the one that was supposed to be put in stone and not dagmar and also he reveals that the same thing happened to his brother who was supposed to be king yes so so they 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 pull a uh, ned stark yep and she basically makes ono look like she's trying to kill everybody bean sides with her because she is just like her mother because they oh go drinking and God, stuff. This, this is sounding a lot like Game of Thrones Season 3. Yeah, it gets, like, super dark. And then, basically, Dagmar casts a spell or something and puts the entire kingdom, except for Zog, into stone. And Bean is taken off on a ship with her. And I believe it's also revealed that, like, the two people that have been watching over, this is what they've been trying to do the whole time, and they work for Dagmar? Right, I believe so. It's, a uh... Yeah, the enchantress. It surprisingly get, got intense there at the end. Yeah, like and like someone else. It was. That's why I say the next half of the seasons should hit the ground running, and it should be. Oh yeah. Just should be pretty good. Um, it was a slow start, but hopefully they have a strong finish. Yeah, because the ending basically is like so. Beans on the ship with her mom. But the ship isn't full of people, so the monsters. Lucy's captured, and then in the after credits, Elfo's corpse is taken away by mysterious figures. Female, right. Yeah, and Zog is just kind of left on his own. He's just, like, standing there. I can't remember if Ona was turned to stone as well. Uh, she, she, I think she... Escapes? She escapes. Does she escape with, uh, the brother? No, he's still locked away in, the t- in that tower. Oh, okay. And I love, and I was just, I found it hilarious the way they... They were, uh, King, uh, how, uh, Dagmar was talking about it because he, they didn't, he didn't tell them that anything about, oh, because your mother's, we think your mother's a killer. She's, and he's just, he's just 
completely just okay. I'll just, I'll go in this tower. Well, that's the, the funny part of the whole show is that like her little brother is this other half breed of this like amphibian people and human, and he's kind of he only talks in the one episode when they go to like their ancestral home, and um, he's kind of like a like a Nintendo nerd is like kind of the way they write him because yeah. he, he's like he's kind of playing on a video game type thing. I feel like if I remember correctly. But he's just kind of like this dork that doesn't know how to do anything, and he's just like a complete wimp. Right. But since he's the son, like, they try to get him to do stuff, and he's just not interested. Which, again, goes to, like, the whole Bean thing, where she doesn't want to be the pretty princess. Yeah, she doesn't want to just be married off to Unite Kingdoms, and she wants to kind of do her own thing, go on adventures, get drunk, gamble. Yeah, so... She's, like, she's a good character. I liked her. Like, I liked her character arc pretty yeah i her her character arc from kind of being this like goalless directionless kind of i don't even know how you call her just like terrible rich girl to kind of like becoming her own person and getting like uh agency over herself and then she doesn't even realize even at the end she's not really sure what's going on but she just wants her mother so bad like she's a tomboy because she was raised by her father yeah who at the same time doesn't want her to be as tomboyish as she is. Right, he wants her to be a proper princess. Which they do address a bunch of times, and he's like, I don't even know what to do anymore. I've tried yelling, I've tried screaming, <laughs> I've tried grounding you, enslaving, like, putting, sending you away to a nunnery. Like, <laughs> all his choices are horrible. But at the end, he does love her. He's just, like, terrible at it. Which is why, when the mother comes back, it's so easy for her to be kind of swept off her feet and taken away. Yeah, there's also an episode... That we have, we didn't talk about where he, where Dag, where King Dagmar basically kicks her out of the castle and she lives with. Oh, the maid. Uh, I think Bunt is her name. Yeah, which again, th- there was like another time when there was like maybe not the episode was the greatest, but there were a ton of jokes like her just having a kid at the table. I've seen that a million times, but it's never not funny. And then the I can't remember what the dad says. It's like, oh, if you can like if you can walk, you can work. Yeah, and, like, oh, they have yeah. they have like fifteen kids and like one of them's like a coal miner. I guess it's a good time. Like you know, what was your favorite thing? Like what was your favorite part of the like? Could be the joke or whatever. Um, could be a. For me, I would say like there's probably like, three things. One, I love the turn. I love the reveal. I thought the reveal completely took me off guard. I didn't change my entire view of this entire series and the season. Um, but my favorite character was probably. Uh, was, I'm trying to figure out how to pronounce it. I can't remember. It's like Sorcerio, the Billy West character, like the hapless sorcerer. Oh, yeah. Because he was just, there, there's never a scene with that character where he's not absolutely ridiculous. Everybody and, knows the king doesn't want to know the truth. Yeah. And then one of my favorite things that they do is like, it's the last time you see him. I can't remember the character with three eyes. And they have like their big like elders meeting underneath the castle where they're just having like a crazy <laughs> sex party. Oh <laughs> uh, yeah, that's episode where yeah, that the was uh, pretty good. where the barbarians co- come in and try to take over, right? During the party. Yeah, the, yeah, uh, w- yeah, yeah. When the yeah when the king's away. Yes. I also like there was an, a certain bit of an episode I liked just because I can vis- I can visualize Matt Barry actually doing that scene uh, for whom the pig pigwinks. When Merkmer, oh, when he gets turned into a pig? Not when he gets turned into a pig. Are you talking about the Mermaid Island? Yeah. Oh my yeah, god. That's actually my favorite joke in the whole thing too. Yes, I it's that like, was a good but joke. But you want to, uh, you want to avoid Walrus Island. Was it Walrus Island? Yes, it's Walrus yeah. Island. But like he goes to Walrus Island, <laughs> but thinks they're mermaids and just bangs them all. Yeah, it's implied that he fucks all the walruses and. Uh, <laughs> Ends up saving the day with his new concubines, I guess. Yeah, and then the ship... The best part is, like, and then the ship ends up being, like, their greatest allies of all time. Oh, um, yeah. The, they mistake them. The Borks, or the, or the who turn out to be the Buzzaks. Yeah. Um, the other, one of the other characters that, like, I completely loved was the Griffin. Yes! The oh, yeah. The Griffin was so goddamn ridiculous. I guess, like, there are things in every episode that are great. There, it's there, just, there are good shining moments in each episode. It, and it's just, it's it's a slow, like you said, it's a slow burn of a series because this is the first half of a full season of one contained story, and they really spend 
I would say six to seven episodes really both building the world and character development on being Zorg, even like Una and Elfo, like they everybody gets like a ton of character building and world building. And it's not yeah. until they go onto that like quest to get the the pendant that the show right. really and, takes a turn. And you know, it's in as much as it's similar to The Simpsons and Futurama, what sets it apart is the fact that it's not a just jump in and watch. You you are watching a story unfold over several episodes, and I think that is kind of why it's a lot more polarized than most things. That or it's a lot more polarized than say Futurama or The Simpsons because nobody knew what to expect from it. Like yeah, well, everybody or, was expecting Futurama. Exactly. I think it was not. It's not that everyone didn't know what to expect. It's like they had an expectation of seeing what he had done twice before. I completely understand him wanting to not do the same thing again. Like, I actually think if he would have done the same thing, but with this kind of um, setting, I don't think it would have been as good as it ended up. No, and it's like, um, this is the epitome of, like, you just got to get through the first few episodes, and then it really hits. And, like, and when it hits, it's 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 excellent. Like, the, the writing is good. I, I have to say it. The writing is quite good throughout the entire run. Another that I I know I keep talking about I keep focusing my talk on the writers for whom the fig wants was written by David Cohen who got his start on uh, Beavis and Butthead he no, wrote Beavis and Butthead. he wrote for the Simpsons he was the head writer and EP of Futurama and he's also a producer one of the producers of Disenchantment well and I, I like that Matt Groening tried something different that he didn't just do. The same thing he did with Futurama. I'm, I'm glad he was. He wanted to tell one continuous story. I think like if you watch the last couple of things in Futurama, like the movies and then like the last season or two that they did, I can see how he went from that to this. I feel like this is oh, what, yeah. he's, what he's wanted to do. But after The Simpsons, he tried to do something like I would say Futurama in many respects is way different show than The Simpsons. Like. Oh, absolutely. I, I'm, like, I was, I watched The Simpsons growing up. I can't watch them now. I think they're terrible now. Like, they're not entertaining to me. But to this day, I will watch any episode of Futurama. I think it's much more grown up, much more, um, we'll obviously cover it at some point. But I can see, like, if you look at the three shows, there is a total evolution of, like, he, not just his writing, but like, we're getting closer and closer because he can kind of do more. The Simpsons basically has cemented him in, like history like he's on un- he's almost untouchable and like you know no one's untouchable but like he can do kind of whatever he wants at this point because like well, it's kind of he- like uh seth mcfarlane though he yes got- seth mcfarlane is actually fairly brilliant oh and he's done but you can't tell based on family guy but he's so pigeonholed into family guy and the humor of family guy that it, it nobody like wants him to step out of that i would say it's a very good comparison if you look at family guy the Cleveland show and American Dad are kind of like his version of Futurama. And then even though it's not animated, I would say, or you take any of the, um, you can take Ted or you can take, actually, I would say even a better example would be, um, the not Star Trek show that he does. Oh, you're talking about the TNG buff called the Orville? Yes. So, but he did it because he actually really, he's a super Star Trek fan and he wanted to do a Star Trek show and they told him no. So you he, have to have you have to have the comedy of Family Guy because that's how you pitched it. Yeah, well, he wanted to make it funny because in all, the, the, like all intents and purposes, like Star Trek is kind of goofy, so I can get his idea, and he is who he is. So like, but if you look at those things, like that show is a complete departure from the other one. Like Family Guy, pretty much at this point is like fart jokes, and not much else. American right. Dad is like a little bit more. I never really watched the Cleveland Show, but if you look at Ted, Cleveland Show at, was very underrated. It definitely had a lot more like nuance to it with the the different situations the characters were in. I but mean, again, that that show failed just like how Futurama initially failed. Like Futurama was canceled in like what like '07 or something like that at some point. I believe so, but we can't talk about Cleveland Show because Kanye. I don't even know what that means. Uh, I don't know. Yeah, I'm lost. Oh, you uh, lost us. How, know how Kanye uh, basically is how everyone hates him now. He's a lyrical genius. He's the voice of a generation. <laughs> and apparently it's the Fox News generation. Yeah. And his name isn't Kanye anymore. It's Ye. Ye. 
Or um, it's either Ye, Kanye, Ye. Yeezy. But he he played what I think next is next, well next it's gonna be he's gonna be a symbol. But whereas Prince's symbol stood for something, he's gonna be the jackass that thinks he's getting like smart uh like Japanese lettering on him and it just says I'm an idiot. He's one of those should, people. You should edit you should edit this out. <laughs> Why? <laughs> those people that get those Japanese tattoos that yeah, don't know how to read Japanese. Oh, I love it so much. As being like part Asian, like I think it's hilarious. It's like people with tribal tattoos that are super white and not at all um, from like the South Pacific or Pacific Islander. <laughs> right. It's like you know, it's cultural appropriation, but it's okay because it makes you look dumb. Exactly. Like the weeb Andy talks about all the time on Facebook. <laughs> Um, I would say there's like a couple other things I wanted to bring up, like kind of, um, I guess it's under like trivia, but I would say it gives like more interesting things. The one I didn't even notice this watching, but apparently when, um, Lucy's looking into the crystal ball, one of the things it shows is Fry Bender and the professor. What? Uh, yeah. Using the time machine from the episode late Philip J. Fry. It's like the, one of the last episodes of the series. When they that, go like that is, that is a love letter if I've ever seen if I've ever yeah. heard of one. So, but what he did was basically made them take place in the same universe. Right, that connects them. Huh. Yeah. I, I missed that completely. Yeah, I did not see that. I'm gonna have to rewatch that episode to find that. But apparently, it's like one of the couple of things that pops up on the crystal ball. Um, so, so now it's not just two different shows; it's a shared universe. Yes. Move over, MCU. Um, so one of the other things is uh, like Alpha was basically the first drawing in his style that he ever created. Oh yeah, because didn't uh, well his first comic was what Life in Hell or something like that with yes. the rabbits and stuff. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that you saw all the time in the Simpsons as like a they're like in there every once in a while, especially early on. Those rabbits are in there not so much after you know the first twenty years. Uh, yeah. Yet, yeah, the Elfo is based on his first character that he created once he figured out like his specific drawing style. As somebody that draws, man, figuring out your style is the hardest thing to do. Um, Elfo also has the red shirt and blue shorts combo. That Fry that, had? And Bart. Oh, man, how did I not put that together? Those two yeah, together. I, neither did I. Actually, um, can I just bring up a not just a quick bit that I like that, or something that happens in this that doesn't have tend to happen a lot on other animated shows from this this current the, the past ten years. Yeah, actual yeah. actual payoffs. So for example, in the first episode when Elfo is in the he's he hides in the during the massive battle between the, the giants or the Cyclops and the uh, the gnomes. Oh yeah, the giant comes back later. Yeah, and he's he's trying to get Alpha because Alpha didn't like he blinded him. Yeah, and stuff like that. Yeah, it does have a lot of payoff, like build like up and payoff when, that a lot of shows don't have anymore. Like when when Alpha's made up girlfriend comes back and takes uh Merkmer with her and then throws him back. Oh, the pig, yes. There, there's definitely. Well, I think that's the difference of doing something that you can plan out, like. I'm sure that they wrote all 20 episodes in one shot and then filmed it, which like um, I've I only seen surprised. one other animated show on Netflix. That was like a Netflix original. And that's Bill Burr show. I still haven't even finished the second season of it. Uh, F is her family. But from listening to him talk about how they made that show, that's basically what they did. They wrote out all the episodes and then it, t- it took them like two, almost three years to animate it. Oh, wow. Um but they use a different system. Like, I don't, like, his show, if you look at the way, like, it's much more classic um, looking. That was one of the other things I was going to bring up. Um, the art in this is, yes, it's still his art, but it's it's beautiful. It looks, yeah, it looks a lot better. Oh, um, yeah, I had uh, I had the kingdom as my background on my computer for a while. Yeah, like, I, uh, like, right before this came out, I ended up upgrading my Netflix to like the 4K one. So I watched Ooh, this on my, choice. on my 4K TV and it was, so it's only like the third or fourth thing I watched in 4K and it was like, you would think, Oh, what's the difference? It's like the colors pop, especially in the backgrounds. Like the backgrounds are absolutely gorgeous. Um, it also leads to like one of the last couple of things that I read, which I didn't even notice, but I think it's funny. 
unlike his other shows, all the humans in this show have five fingers. Oh. Uh, The only characters that don't are non-humans. So Elfo has four and uh, Lucy has three. Wasn't there an episode of The Simpsons or uh, Futurama where they addressed that humans used to have five fingers or whatever in their universe? Yeah, Futurama, I think they like brought it up. I think, I can't remember what other, maybe it was an episode of Simpsons, but they basically said at some point that to draw five fingers for The Simpsons, I don't remember, I think it was like when the early times when like San Diego Comic Con was a big thing. They basically said it would increase the budget so much that it's just not worth it. It was like just never worth it. Well, that's just why the, the only character in The Simpsons that has five fingers is God. Oh, oh, I didn't even know that. That's kind of awesome. Yeah, anytime you see like the hand of God in uh, The Simpsons, which is a couple of times, it's got five fingers. And then the last thing I saw, uh, which Connor would probably love, is that Lucy reassembles like a box, and it's the box from Hellraiser. But yeah, like, I I think this is a show, like, one I would 100% recommend this to anybody who likes any other Bronings thing, but you have to give it that caveat of, you gotta wait, like, five episodes, like, you really have to, like, watch the whole thing. Yeah, it's not one that, and, and that's goes back to what I was saying about re rewatchability is that, you know, with Futurama, I skip around, watch whatever episode I feel like watching. But this one you really do need to watch in order because it is telling one story. Yeah, I was trying to think of other shows to compare it to, and I really can't think of any outright that kind of take this style. Even ones that have, you know, full season-length plots, most of the time their single episodes still are self-contained in a, in a way. Maybe the first couple in this show are, but... They're also the weakest episode because it's a lot of character development. Yeah, it's universe building and character development. So it's not quite as it doesn't it's it's slow to start, but worth it once it gets started, like really worth it. Yeah, that pay the payoff in the final episode is absolutely like I was completely stunned by it. And I was like, all right, this sold me. I can't wait for season the second half of the season to come out. Oh, I'm the same way. Uh like, when I have time, I'll probably go back and watch the whole thing over again. Or when the second part drops, I'll just watch it straight through. I will probably do the same, yeah. I would say, Anthea, this show, instead of, like, dropping in an episode, I think it has rewatchability and going through the whole season. Right. It's just finding the time to sit there and do that. Yes. Because unlike The Simpsons or Futurama... They're not just writing a ton of episodes, getting a bunch of episodes animated, and then just airing them in random orders, which yeah. is I would say how they did this. After Futurama got canceled, they did like three movies in a row, and those movies all tie in together. It's much more like that, um, where I think you could probably chunk some of these episodes together, and it would be fine, but you would still need to watch like an hour and a half of stuff for like them to kind of make any sense whatsoever. Right, it's important to get to know the characters that we've got because these in court, well, can't talk. These characters are important. These are really well fleshed out characters. Even like the demon Lucy is a well fleshed out character that has his arc. Uh, Elfo has his arc. Bean has her arc. The king has his arc. I mean, it's it's surprising how much character development is in just these ten episodes. Even, like, I keep going back to Elfo's fake girlfriend, but even she had an arc, was to finally see, and she ended up seeing everything, or she ended up seeing, what was that, that whole thing? She, she basically yeah. ended up seeing how horrible and everybody was, like, and that was kind of one of those episodes, like, you know, it's like, yeah, people are terrible to what we perceive as outsiders or not like us. People can be so terrible to them. And this was basically somebody looked at it as a monster and realizing that, no, everybody else in there was the monster. Yep. And just like, to go... Alpha was the bad guy in that. Yes. That's the other thing is, like, none of the characters are perfect. Like, nobody is perfect in this show. They are all have redeeming qualities, but they all have their faults. Yeah, apparently Bean's really good at torture. Yeah, well, doesn't she, like, just talk to the person and just wants to kill himself? <laughs> yeah, she was so indecisive about what she wanted for lunch. Like, yeah. it was supposed to be his final meal. She's like, mm, but I don't really want to. I had stew already. Um, but just to, like, she would, on, like... She would make a good bride for Vladislav the Poker. The what? You've never seen what we do in the shadows? 
Oh. Okay. Oh yeah. No, I just didn't put it together. Neither did I. Damn it! I, just, need, I need to work on my references. I guess like I was trying to think of a cartoon specifically. Yeah. Um, I was just to bring up the just to go on like how the con- the reception was like kind of all over the place. So on Rotten Tomatoes, it had a 64%, um, with an average rating at 6.17. And then, uh, Metacritic had it 55 out of 100. So like, it's kind of all over the place. And again, I think it's because people, people went we're into the show. one thing and getting We're expecting Futurama. Yeah, yeah, exactly. They're expecting Futurama in Game of Thrones. And it's not, it is. It's that humor, but it's not the, like we said over and over again, it's not the one-off episode. But, like, I think the second half of this first season will be different because I think because everything is set up, like, they don't have to character build or world build. It's just going to be hit. Because if you're watching the second half, you definitely, you can't just watch it. So you don't have to do all that explanation over it. You can just kind of hit the ground, like you said, hit the ground running. Right. uh, I cannot wait for the second half to come out. Any idea when or if it's coming out? That's, um, that's the thing I was reading up on while while, while you guys are talking. There's no there's no concrete date yet, but with the way it's getting reviews and like not in a good way or getting mixed reviews, it could go. It Netflix is I want I don't want to say worse than Fox when it comes to canceling their shows. Oh, I would actually say the opposite. I think they tend to give shows because they kind of pay for them ahead of time. Like, they already signed him for 20 episodes. I don't think they're not going to get the 20 episodes. Oh, no. I, I mean, I, I, there's, I don't doubt that. Yeah. So we'll at least get the second half of the season. We just don't know if we'll get anything beyond that. Uh, this is going to show my age and my taste. But what they do with uh, Degrassi Next, Next Class or what they did when I, was, at the, when I, when I used to watch it, they would release, they would shoot like 20 episodes, then do 10 every summer or something, which they did, which they did with this show. So it, it may, we may have to wait until summer again. And that's fun. I mean, it takes time to animate. Yeah, I would say I'm guessing more like the spring some point, because the big thing I would say is Netflix is on the hunt for original content yeah because original content is what is keeping people with it and they're yeah, gonna their movie they're, selections starting to suck well that well that and marvel is, is pulling starting gonna start pulling everything soon yeah because yeah, disney's getting its own streaming service yeah so yeah, di- all the disney stuff is going to is going to start pulling away so you know they have great other they have amazing original shows they have amazing documentaries they have Two very um, highly acclaimed animated shows in Bojack Horseman and F is Her Family, which I think won an Emmy in its first or second season. So, like, they still want to continue this thing. And I do think that there are space for people to bring um, their projects, especially like experimental projects. I still think Groening's name carries enough weight where they'll give him time to build this world. Because, again, Futurama got canceled. I can't remember. I think it did like three seasons and got canceled originally. Didn't it get canceled multiple times? Yeah, it got canceled twice. It got, so they originally aired. On Fox, right? On Fox. Then it got picked up by Comedy Central. Yeah. It was running the. Reruns. Reruns. And then Comedy Central, like the thing, it's like deal ended and Comedy Central had like, that's where the movies came from. So they couldn't do episodes, but they could do movies. So they made like three or four movies. And then they ended up putting out new episodes, and then it got canceled, and then it came back for like a final, final season. Something like that. So, And also, while another thing I was doing, when I was just checking th- different things, se- seeing when it would come back, I saw a fan theory where it's where the timeline is uh, Simpsons, it, where it goes Simpsons, this, then Futurama. Oh, so this is like when Fry's sitting there and the world gets destroyed like three times. This is one of those times, like kind yeah, of yeah, something like that. Huh. Hmm. Like I can see that. Um, I would say we're likely to see the next season sometime in the spring or summer because I'm trying to remember. And like, what? And what are we having for dinner? Hmm. Um. Really? No. One, ah. No. Screw you guys. You're, you're <laughs> no fun. I'm just not getting your references at all. No, because you didn't hear the beeping coming from Gary? No, that was oh. actually coming from me. Oh, I thought... I just assumed. Oh, yeah. <laughs> that was the dehumidifier where I am sitting, saying that it's full, so I have to empty it. 
Um, but yeah, I don't really have anything else to really say about this show. Like, I can't wait for the next uh, season or the second half of this first season to come out. So, would it, like, is there anybody here that wouldn't recommend watching it? I was the one who's who originally complained about having to watch it, but I kind of did a turnaround, like a complete 180, where now I, I kind of want, want to see more of it. So... Yeah, well, because I think, like, a lot of people, you got through, like, the first probably, like, two or three episodes and, like, oh, my God. Like, it's not, like, what are they doing? It's not what the other things are. And then once you hit, like, a certain point, you're like, oh, wait, 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 this is doing something. And then I, I, to me, it's like, the final reveal in the last episode made me elevate this show so much. Like, it, like, kind of, it was such a good reveal and I thought did such a good job as, like, an end of an arc that it elevated the entire season me. Yeah, I can agree with that. So I think, I guess that's all we've really got to say about it. It's yeah. definitely worth the watch. It's worth, it's worth getting through the first couple episodes where, you know, it's a little boring and everything just to get to the meat of the story that it's telling. Um, it's worth a watch. I say it's worth a watch. Um, like I said, I'll go back and watch it like probably all the way through uh, again once the second half comes out. Al, you got anything left to say about it? Uh, this, yeah, mainly, I suggest watching at least doing like two episodes at a time, then stopping two episodes at a time, then stopping, because you'll need time. You'll need time to process some some like what happens in each episode. Oh, I totally get that because there is definitely like a like pacing it's, thing. It, yeah, it's very it's it is it is very easy to burn to burnout while watching the show yeah yeah i can see that and i'm actually doing this i'm actually saying this because that's happened to me and i don't want that happening i I want this i want there to be as much as much of this as as much of this as we got of futurama yeah because i think now that it's picked up it's really going to pick up and go somewhere it doesn't have all the world building and stuff to do now so it's we're set and we know what we're getting into so I'm really looking forward to the second half, and I hope more people give it a second chance just because it really is worth it once you get there. The payoff is what really sells the show, and I think it'd be a shame to not see the the continuation of it. All right. Do we want to talk about what we are seeing next on the next episode? Yeah, Al, how about you uh, tell us what your pick for next week is? Yeah, I picked the... The DC animated feature that was released sort of around the same time as the Ryan Reynolds Green Lantern failure, and that is called, that is a an anthology story within a, a bigger story called Green Lantern Emerald Knights. Well, hopefully, it is better than the because I, I would kind of call it the Thor or the Hulk an anthology, even though it's only two. But it can't be worse than that. It's, no. <laughs> it it's great because it's got Rowdy Rowdy Piper. Oh, I did not know that. He plays Bofunga. Oh, wow. I didn't even realize that character was in there because I haven't seen that since it came out. Yes, but, it's, got, uh, it's got a great voice cast. It's got Elizabeth Moss. Is this the one where Nathan Fillion does the voice? Nathan Fillion, Henry Rollins, um, Kevin Michael Richardson. Oh, no, not Kevin Michael Richardson. I was mixing up my shows. It's but, kind of interesting. Like Green Lantern's actually appeared on like a lot of shows. At this point, and shows and movies, almost as much as... Superman at this point because they did a Green Lantern show they've done like two animated movies and they've done he's in um and specifically like Hal he has been in he was not in the original Justice League cartoon but he's been in subsequent Justice League stuff as well as like he Batman was, cartoons. he was in an episode of Justice League Unlimited yeah but for like a half a second the yeah, time but it's like the time traveling one yeah but which was a very trippy episode well, we can save that all for the next episode yeah all right, so I guess that's it. Uh, tune Plugs. in next week for. Uh, I get if you want to plug something, plug, plug, plug away. Uh, by the time this will be out, Bossar Games will be in. Hopefully, the first its first official first full month. You'll you can find again hopefully because no offense or Gary don't tell anyone else's. <laughs> it is hard to get. You guys writing? Yeah, it is. Yeah, I'm very bad at it. 
Oh no, I'm talking about Lazar, just the Lazar's games. Oh. Yeah, well, you know, like, or you can hopefully by the time by the by the time this is out, you'll be able to read Graydon's Assassin's Creed Odyssey review. Hopefully, you'll be able to read Gary's Red Dead Redemption Two review. I, I plan on making that. Look, I changed shifts at work just to make stuff like that happen. <laughs> All right. Did you have anything else, Al? Uh, you can check out my Sonic page on DeviantArt. No, I'm kidding. Um, <laughs> uh, yeah, I still have, I have about like two, just two more things. Okay. Well, it's, it's not a Sonic page on DeviantArt, is it? No. Damn. Two, po- two podcasts. <laughs> All right, go for it. Podcast with myself, Emma Watkins, and Hunter Davenport. So, so sub to that. R- r- rate, review, subscribe, subscribe, and. Think also, do the same thing with Phantom Zone Podcast, where as of this recording, as of this date recording, we're going to be doing a crazy uh, After Dark. And we have, and there are some shows that are featured on, are part of the Phantom Zone ne- uh, network, like Lou and I's show, Smallville Chronicles. We just... Well, we we just watched some episode of season two. Can't say which episode because we haven't recorded it yet. We haven't recorded it yet. But as of as of today or as of this week, we did the Aquaman pilot, and oh boy, yep, was that um, a disaster. All right, well, definitely yep. tune into all that. Yeah, so subscribe to all the horror stuff, all the Phantom Zone stuff. Uh, movie dumpster rate review subscribe to youtube itunes anywhere you listen to podcasts um i'm gonna say goodbye i'll see you guys or see you guys next week all right uh say goodbye (laughs) all right y'all have a week this has been legion of tune uh see you next week